Frustrated with toxic people, they can't see how much they hurt me. I just want this chaos to cease. Here's your host, Dr. Shayla, my source for how to live a life of peace. Find peace in the midst of toxic negativity. Welcome to the Toxic People Detox, a practical guide for finding peace in the midst of toxic people. It's not about changing them, but changing how you respond to them and doing so in a productive, healthy way. This is episode eight, dealing with toxic family members. This is a touchy subject and there aren't any easy answers, but there are answers. There are also some hard truths that may be difficult to accept. Always seek the advice of a professional before making any major decisions. So a question that I keep getting asked is, how do you deal with toxic family members? Part of the reason it is so difficult to deal with toxic family is that we have a strong attachment to these people, particularly if it's a close family member. And then there's that sense of obligation, particularly if that person is someone like a parent, grandparent, a guardian. So for this podcast, I'm going to break it down like this. First, I'm going to talk about a toxic behavior. I'll give some examples and then I'll talk about the motives behind these behaviors. And there are five behaviors I want to talk about. Number one is controlling. Number two, the people who won't let you grow up or change. Number three, those who like to provoke or they just like to nitpick and cause arguments for no reason. Number four, those who play the victim. And number five, those who deliberately withhold affections. Now, one thing you'll find is that a lot of these behaviors will actually overlap each other. Starting with number one, controlling. This is probably one that most people are familiar with. You know, these types, you cannot make a decision without them. You have to have their approval before you can move on. Nothing is sacred to them or private, especially not your relationships. Now, probably the stereotypical meddling mother-in-law is a good example of that, where you have someone that thinks, well, back in my day, we did this. So you should do this. Well, are you trying to find a house? If you all are looking for a house, this person has to come along and make the final decision. If (laughs) I could go on and on, I don't have any statistics on this, but I'm willing to bet that the number one way to control someone is through money. Whether you are financially beholden to that person or that person is financially beholden to you, money changes the dynamic of any relationship. When money is involved, the lines become blurred. Let's say they loan you money. Now they'll tell you, oh, you don't have to pay me back. And sure, you don't have to give them anything back, not monetarily anyway, but they will make you pay them back in other ways. And for them, it's an unspoken rule that because they gave you money, you owe them. Now, what are some of the motives behind controlling people? Well, first, there are those that genuinely think they are acting in your best interest. They fight your battles for you, but they're doing it for their own good. Now, some people don't want you to get hurt. So what's wrong with that? Well, nothing inherently, but they don't consider the consequences. An example is a father who came to me one day, it was an open house and his son is a biology major. So the father comes up to me and says, Dr. Williams, please convince my son to be a doctor. I thought, what a strange question. But anyway, rather than turn the conversation to his son, I turned it back on him. And I said, sir, are you a physician? 
Is anyone in your household a physician? Because if not, I don't think you realize what you're requiring of your son. Medicine is not what it used to be, say, 50 some odd years ago. And many of our students who go on to become doctors will come back and say they wish they'd done something else. If you put pressure on your son to go to medical school, chances are he'll get through the program. And at the end of it, not only will he hate his life, but he'll end up resenting you in the process. And you should have seen the look on the father's face. He's never heard that before. Now, the story actually has a happy ending. Afterwards, apparently they had a long conversation. And the next time I saw the son, he came up and hugged me. And he told me, thank you. No one had ever told him that. See, it turned out the father was basically controlling his son. You know, the father wanted the son to major in biology. He wanted the son to go to Morehouse or Meharry or one of these medical schools. And he didn't realize that he was exerting that kind of control over his son. And once I told him that, the son said, no one had ever told my father that. And so the father kind of backed off. And so now his son, uh, di he didn't change his major. He did graduate with his degree in biology. I think he had it like a, a magna cum laude, if I'm not mistaken. But anyway, now he's happy. He's doing something he actually wants to do. And he did not go to medical school. Now, in that situation, you had a controlling father, but he didn't even know that's what he was doing. He was doing what he thought was best for his son. And you do have those type of situations. Now, there are those controlling types who do this for malicious purposes. They actually get their jollies from submissiveness and they love that power. Now let's talk about some more motives. I've said this before about Newton's law, third law, by the way, to every action, there's an equal and opposite reaction. If you really look at what's going on with controlling people, there are quite a few things going on and you might be surprised what the real motives are. Number one, some of that controlling can come from guilt or shame. Nothing comes from us that didn't start from within us. That need to control people comes from the fact that these people feel out of control themselves. They have this insecurity because their inner lives are out of control. So they compensate, they overcompensate rather by trying to control other people. Then there's that fear of failure. They're controlling because they're not just fearing your failure. They fear that your failure is a reflection of their failure. I'll give an example. I'm surprised how many parents I have to deal with at the college level. And I talked to my colleagues and I said, I didn't realize I would have to deal with this many parents. And they say, yeah, well, us too. We would have taught grade school if we thought we would have to deal with this many parents. I had one situation where the response it was just the student didn't get a good grade on a quiz that probably was less than 3% of the grade. I mentioned this in a previous podcast. This person responded with a four page letter. And when you look at it, the parent was really frustrated at what was going on with the student, which was understandable. But if you really read into that letter, it sounded like the frustration that her daughter was going through, she felt like she was going through it herself. Like somehow she failed as a mother. So she's trying to take control of the situation. So that failure on her daughter's part, she felt was a reflection of a failure of her own part being a mother. Okay, there's insecurity. Some people are just insecure. So that means of controlling people is that gives them that false sense of security, that illusion of control. And then here's an interesting thing. They control because these people fear that you will not need them anymore or that you will leave them. 
So they exert that control to give you that illusion that you can't succeed without me. You need me. Now, these are just a few examples. Let's go on to the second type of toxic behavior. These are the people who will not let you grow up or change. You know, these folks, you are in your twenties, thirties, and forties, but they talk to you like you're in your twos, threes, and fours. Hey, sweetie, you, you just look so adorable today. Aren't you the cutest little, you know what I'm talking about? I wish I were joking, but yeah, there are people like that. So what are the motives? Let me get one thing straight. I'm not talking about people like uh, my grandmother. My grandmother's passed away now, but she had dementia. And in her, the latter part of her life, she actually regressed. Many of these people will regress to a happier time in their life. And by doing so, they regress everyone around them. And so, you know, she talked to me like I was five years old, but in that situation, that was understandable because she couldn't help it. And so I did the best, you know, I worked with her the best I could say, Hey grandma, you know, I, I kind of played it down. I, I, I acted like the five-year-old, but I'm talking about people who are in their right frame of mind. There's nothing wrong with them mentally. So here's some of their motives. You're all grown up. And for them to acknowledge that forces them to face the fact that they themselves are getting older and getting closer to the end of their lives. Some people really don't mean anything by it. Like I said, some people probably don't even realize that's what they're doing. But there are people who are doing this deliberately. They are insulting you. They are treating you like an incompetent man child or woman child who still needs their guidance. And some of the reasons why they do this is because of jealousy that somehow you're leaving them behind. Wait a minute. I was like 30 or 40 when you were born and now here you are an adult and you're leaving me behind. That means if they were in their thirties, when you were born, if you're in your thirties, they're in their sixties. They fear that you won't need them anymore or the fact that you'll leave them behind. They fear the loss of control. Being adult theoretically means being independent. And if you're an adult, then there's no more control anymore. There's that control again. Like I said, some of these behaviors will intermingle. They'll overlap. And then, as I said before, they may fear the fact that you may not need them or that you will leave them. Therefore, they're trying to keep you in that time capsule. One way I deal with it, I've actually dealt with someone who did this to me and I gave them an ultimatum. Normally, I don't like to do that, but in this situation, it was warranted. And I said, look, you will not keep me in a time capsule because you are afraid of the reality of your own mortality. I'm grateful for all the times you changed my diapers back in the day but that does not give you the right to treat me like a child. I am an adult. I pay bills. I pay taxes. I vote and do all the other fun things that adults do. And I am not going to regress just to make sure that you are comfortable. We cool. All right, moving on. Number three, these people like to provoke. They like to just cause arguments. We know that. I mean, the littlest thing will set them off. It's like you have to walk around eggshells with these people. And even if you're having a good day, they will find something to fight about. Now, the example that comes to my mind is when I was in a dollar store and I heard this guy before I saw him. He was in the feminine aisle buying sanitary products for his his wife, fiance, girlfriend. I don't know. Could have been his mother's for all I know. And the entire time from the time I walked in to the time I checked out and he was right in front of me when I checked out. All he could say was how much he hated buying these sanitary napkins. He says, I'll never do this again. How dare you have me in here? And I'm so embarrassed. And of course, every time I tell this story, most people will ask the same question. 
If he was so embarrassed, why was he drawing attention to himself like that? And I said, that's my point exactly. Why was he doing that? Why was he picking a fight? Here's what was going on. He was basically doing what I call hijacking my judgment. I believe it came out of an insecurity of his own masculinity. He was afraid that I would think, oh, you're not a man. You're not much of a man because you're, you're standing in the feminine aisle. So rather than have me think that he's drawing attention to himself, he's judging himself. So I won't have to. This is basically how that works. So he's afraid of me judging him. So he judges himself. So I won't have to do it for him. But anyway, I had another lady. I taught therapeutic writing. And one of the participants said, I cannot have a conversation with my mother without it turning into a war zone. So I'll talk about the solution of that. I'll come back to that one. These arguments can come from frustration. Remember, nothing comes from you that didn't start from within. That argument, that frustration, I bet you that's how they talk to themselves. They can't cut you some slack because they don't cut themselves any slack. And again, it's a form of control. And sometimes it comes from feeling of shame. It's like overcompensation. They just don't want you to see that soft ooey gooey center. So they push you away and they do so by arguing. Number four, the blame game or the victims. You know, these types, they push their boundaries with you. And when you assert yourself, they play the victim as if asserting yourself is hurting them in some way. And I guess from a certain standpoint, that's true. It's hurting their ego. This comes from guilt, but guess what? It's also a form of control. And the motives for doing this? Fear. These motives keep repeating themselves. There's the fear of you leaving them. At the heart of that victim mentality, there's a cry for help. Anytime somebody is throwing something at you, look beyond it. There is a cry for help in there somewhere. Like, oh, I'm the victim, I'm the victim. And in their mind, they truly believe that. They're not just saying that just to get a rise out of you. They really think that, that somehow the world is against them. And then the last one, these are the people that withhold affection. Now, before I get into that, let me make a distinction between people who just don't like to show emotion. People like me, as an introvert, showing emotion is not one of my favorite things. In fact, when my mother died, I remember the she died in December of 2004. In December of 2005, I was working on this Christmas program and all of a sudden that grief, it just came out of nowhere. It just hit me and I had a hard time keeping it together. So I got in my car and I left. I didn't even tell anyone I was going because I didn't want to cry right in front of people. I don't particularly like to show emotion. I don't, I don't particularly show affection. At least if I'm not comfortable around someone, I need to be comfortable to show affection. That's not what I'm talking about here. I'm talking about people who withhold affection for the purpose of either punishing someone or controlling someone. Let's say if I were to use that example with the father wanting his son to go to medical school in that situation, the father could have held his affection. Well, if you're not going to medical school, you won't get any love out of me or I'm disappointed in you. Now, like I said, that didn't happen. That actually had a happy ending, but withholding affection is yet another form of control. And at the heart of that is fear. They're afraid. They're insecure. Let me say it again. The fear that you might leave them or the fear that you might not need them. So that's why we try to exert control over someone. As I've said, they're withholding affection from you because they don't have any affection for themselves. How can they show compassion if they don't have compassion for themselves? You can't give what you don't have. So now that I talked about these things, let me talk about some solutions. Here is one thing. People will treat you to the extent you allow them. 
Let me say that again. People will treat you to the extent you allow them. Going back to that person who tries to keep you as a child, they're doing that because you're letting them do that. Like I said, unless there's something wrong with them, like in my grandmother's case, she had dementia. That's why she was doing that. I'm talking about people in their right frame of mind. If they're doing that to you, it's because you're letting them. As I said before, I had to issue an ultimatum. I had to tell someone, talk to me like an adult or don't talk to me at all. It's as simple as that. And that changed the dynamic of our relationship. The relationship actually got better. Now, first take the direct approach. Just bring it to their attention. Because as I've said before, some people just might not realize that's what they're doing. And going back to the case where the father was asking me about his son going to medical school, actually, he was saying, please convince him to. He wasn't asking me. He was actually giving me a command. But because I said it, and I guess he put a lot of weight on my words, it made him realize what he was doing and he changed. Okay. So now what if that direct approach doesn't work and they still doing what they're doing? Now you have a couple of options here. You can let things continue as they are, which disempowers you, or you can lay the ground rules. And this is important. Follow through. When I told this person, talk to me like an adult or don't talk to me at all. I followed through because the minute that conversation deviated until that, oh, you're so this, you keep the, uh, no, stop that. Stop it. (laughs) Okay. I'm almost 40 at the time of this podcast. I'm 39 years old. I'll be 40 in April of 2018. So don't talk to me like that. I deserve to be respected as an adult. Now, if someone is controlling you financially, of course, the the solution there is financial independence. How? Well, a couple of things, side hustles, taking an extra job, working overtime. I mean, a couple of things, maybe cutting out some luxuries so you can take that money and start living on your own. That in and of itself is an entirely different topic. I'll give an example of a person. He's actually an African-American man that's traveling the world. Something happened between him and his mother and his mother wasn't too keen on him going around the world. They had some kind of falling out and he didn't talk to her for months. And he said that was probably the best thing that could have happened for their relationship because after that, he said things got better. Sometimes that distance is what's needed to repair the relationship. I love what Ms. Macy Brinson said in one of my previous podcasts. This is the one that talks about dealing with rejection and having motivation. And she summed it up brilliantly. She said, love them from a distance. If you have people in your life, they're exhibiting the toxic behaviors I talked about, or maybe some ones that I didn't talk about. I'm not saying that you stop loving them. If you cut off communication with them, you don't stop loving them. You have to give them that space. Sometimes space can heal. But as I've said, this is not something you do on your own. You might need some professional intervention. You might need a counselor, a trained counselor who can guide you through that process. Don't take that on yourself. And let's say you do make the decision to cut ties. Understand there may be the possibility you may never see that person again. When that guy, that traveler, cut ties with his mother. How did he know he would never see her again? He didn't, but that's how far he was willing to go. I issued an ultimatum. Sometimes that's necessary, but that should be the last resort. Again, let me stress, take the direct approach. If that doesn't work, then maybe get a mediator and then lay some ground rules. If that person continues to disrespect those boundaries, then that might require some distance. Now, I don't mean shutting people out of your life completely. For some people, I know they just moved to another town. I had a coworker. She said, I I can't deal with this anymore. I can't deal with my mother. She got up and she moved somewhere. She moved to the other side of the country. They are your family. You have strong ties to them. 
you have a strong connection to them and love them because when you get right down to it, they are your family, but understand you have certain rights within yourself. So give people time to change. Remember, it's not our job to change anyone, but we can bring things to their attention and we can say, look, I love you, but I cannot allow this to take place. And then you might have to take that step back. Now I talked about the lady that was in my therapeutic writing workshop. And she says, every time I talk to my mother, it turns into a war zone. What do I do? And I just told her one thing. I said, have you ever considered that your mother is doing the best she can with what she knows? I'm not saying it's right by any stretch, but just the fact that that's where her level of consciousness is right now. And your level of consciousness and her level of consciousness are a bit different. She said, I never thought about that before. And then the next time I saw her, she said, you know, my mother tried to start something with me. And I did what you told me. It's like, I love you, but I cannot allow this behavior to continue. And then she walked off and they said, okay, they're talking. They are much better than they were, say beforehand, where the mother was constantly provoking her. And I said, maybe your mother might be afraid of something. It might come from her insecurity. It might be fear. So be patient with her. Have compassion for these people. Because despite the fact that they may get on our nerves, and yes, I know I've been there too, that these behaviors are coming from hurt. They are hurting from within and they are demonstrating that through their toxic behaviors. And if we learn to see past that, then we can learn to not only just have compassion for them, but really to begin to understand them and if possible to heal that rift. That's my final word on this. This has been another episode of the Toxic People Detox. Subscribe, rate, and review. I would be most grateful. Until next time, I wish you peace in the midst of toxic people. Take care. Go to the toxicpeopledetox.com. Find peace in the midst of toxic negativity.